And we're live. <laughs> Wait, no, no. Well, that's the intro also, like with, with everyone. Okay, so, Matthias, I need to tell you that layout tradition is we do everything we can to prevent Rafa from doing the intro. <laughs> <laughs> so as he's speaking, you just have to distract them in the best way. This is can. not a tradition. <laughs> this is not a tradition. Ooh, uh, do you want to do the intro, Kevin? Or <laughs> See? <laughs> I can't no, even do, do the intro. I don't even know how to do this intro. <laughs> Um, we'll just do like, uh, welcome, welcome to, to layout, layout, a podcast about design. <laughs> God damn it. And you are. I'm gonna, I'm gonna mute you two and I'm gonna do the thing. You can't interrupt me. <laughs> welcome to layout, a podcast about design, technology, and everything else. Uh, I'm Rafa. And I'm Kevin. And this week we are joined by... Mateos to talk about all about uh, the the v- vision reality headset Apple VR. Hello, excellent. <laughs> well, it looks like you didn't need our help to like mess up stuff at all. Then, <laughs> all right. Now that we're done with the formalities, I guess this is it. Can... Let's talk about iOS 17. Actually, I think we should focus on TVOS. Oh, yeah. how about that? <laughs> that. Should we just talk about the headset thing, right? That's why we have Mateus here. Should we introduce Mateus or no? Yeah. Because you're, you're, you're a friend of the show. This is not your first rodeo. Best friend. Uh, in the, the, <laughs> you're the best friend of the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mateus Kren, uh, welcome back. Hello, thank you for having me. You are not only our best uh, friend of the show, but also our, our expert, like VR expert, let's say. There is Probably literally, in our like, apologies, Rafa, but there's literally no one else <laughs> I would want to hear talk about this headset more than you, Matthias. So I'm so glad that you're on the show. I'm very happy Sorry to, to all of our friends. Yes. I'm glad that I'm maybe good at something. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. The, our listeners can judge at the end of the episode. Uh, well, it all depends on, on your commentary. <laughs> I, I just want to say to, to catch up, to catch people up on on your adventures, uh, Matthias, because uh, I think you you've been working on some stuff since it's been years. I think since you've been on the show, what have you been up to in the past? I don't know if you want to talk about cool. it. Cool, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, actually, yeah. Let me give a little bit of a uh, of background on on what I've been doing. Uh, I think it does kind of matter. Um, I think I was on the show like what three, four years ago, something like that. After I released long three Time years flies. ago, um, after I, I uh, released my kind of my experimental, just personal project, uh, kind of a productivity-oriented VR VR OS thing, um, which I just released as video form on YouTube. But um, I did that for by the time I released it, I think it had been one and a half years um, since I left Apple, and I was at Apple mm. before that for almost five years and um i think uh you know we're here to talk about kind of you know vision pro and vr mr ar whatever um i think it's fair to disclose that um before leaving apple yes i kind of worked on what the beginnings of that project were um and uh but that kind of also doesn't really mean anything because the way these things go is kind of almost everything that I saw was new to me, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so while I feel like, yeah, sure, you know, like we were talking about some of these ideas that I now saw 
uh, back then, sure, that's ideas, right? And um, the right. real work kind of is making it real and and kind of the details that were put into it. And pretty much all of that is new to me. So I'm kind of coming at this, even though I have like some inside information, I still feel like I'm coming at this like really, really fresh. The last two and a half years, I spent uh, working on VR at Meta. So I have, you know, that perspective. Um, I left Meta at the beginning of the year. I've been a little bit easier with the kids and the home. Um, but yeah, super excited to talk about VR into every. <laughs> yeah. Seeing your first your first VR like concept and ideas, uh, those videos you mentioned, which we're going to put links in the show notes. Uh, when I saw that, I think that kind of, created my base expectation and like vision for vr pretty much non-gaming yeah know, in vr like in that case productivity like that that's that became my default like all right new ideas branched out of that cool <laughs> and it was it was interesting to see like a lot of the stuff we saw from apple like you know a lot of overlap in some of the ideas like the basic window management right different uh Whatever we we call them windows, right? Yeah, yeah. Floaty windows, three D windows. Um, really, really cool. So, should we? How are we gonna? How are we gonna talk about this? Just freeform, or should we go through like keynote bullet points, or what's? How how do you guys wanna? That's a good question because I took notes on all of the other stuff, and then when it came to Vision Pro, I was just like so fascinated <laughs> that I did not take a single note. So I don't even quite remember exactly what the order was from from the keynote but let's just say okay um i know the first thing was they revealed sort of the hardware of the device at first and uh i'm curious to get like both of your thoughts what did you think of the the actual device like before we get into what the software experienced which i think a lot of us are very interested in like what did you feel when you saw what the device, how the device was in terms of hardware, like I think my first reaction was kind of neutral. Like it just looks like other VR headsets. There's some like cool little touches and stuff, uh, but it didn't look that that far from what we've seen so far, right? Um, it was interesting that there's no like top headband, right? I'm very curious to see the weight and how comfortable. Well, there is that an optional is. one. Um, oh, really? I didn't see that. Yeah, it goes yeah. over. Is Talk? it is what? Well, cool. there's like an additional kind of like strap thing that goes over. Okay, sideways or front to back? I didn't even uh, sideways. This. Sideways. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So there's going to be a variety okay. of different sort of bands that you can you can swap in and out. All right. Um, but yeah, the 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 battery pack thing. Put it in your pocket. I guess. Yeah. I mean, if the alternative is having that extra weight on your face, then yeah, it seems like a good you know compromise. Uh, and then you can also plug it in the wall from the little like wart, right? Like battery pack. I think that's how you plug it in <laughs> yeah, the wall. Think, yeah. Um, oh, you the, plug the MagSafe it from thing. the battery pack. Yeah, you have that, to. That's my my impression. Yeah. Yeah, I think the ba- battery pack has like a because the wire looks fixed, um, and then the battery pack seems to have a USB C at the bottom. So then you use it to kind of you pass through the power. <laughs> it acts as like a power brick. Yeah. And the MagSafe thing, that, that's cool. I wonder if, uh, like, if you just accidentally pull it and, like, unplug the MagSafe, I think the whole headset just turns off, right? There's no, I assume. 
what I uh, what I saw I'm is that the MagSafe thing is actually a twist lock system, so you actually oh. have to like, twist it to remove it. So that's how you prevent from that. actually yanking it out. Okay. And the okay. the uh, battery sort of pass through thing charging, I guess, is kind of smart because then whenever you're you're plugged in you're also charging the battery pack so if you were to like ever like yank that cable off then you still have some whatever amount yeah. of battery is on the battery pack you just and don't I, have I assume hot swapping when you're like out and about with your vision pro yeah <laughs> but uh that seems not something that they're pushing very hard anyway so uh, well maybe if you're still, gonna I take mean... it on a plane i don't know about that but <laughs> They still have a, have time to come up with a Hermes like battery <laughs> belt thing that has like a bunch of them. Um, they have time, I believe. But yeah, so uh, sensors and hardware and all, we can talk about that separately if we want. But it, it's good, like very high end, right? Again, nothing. It feels like it's the same parts that we've seen in other type of devices. Um, the application, though, like that—that's the most interesting part. It's like it's the first VR headset designed for AR, right? It's hmm. like it's a VR headset, but it doesn't I, yeah. want to be a VR headset. Uh, um, you can see yeah. me getting uncomfortable in my chair just like, <laughs> with all these words. <laughs> um, okay, tell us yeah. what's what's yeah. making you feel uncomfortable. No, I um, I think the whole like. I totally understand why there's so much kind of like confusion slash talk about like VR, MR, AR, especially with kind of Tim Cook standing on stage and starting the whole thing with, there's one more thing. We're going to introduce a new AR platform. And then it's just like, okay, and here's not a single AR use case. Thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, and to me, <clears throat> I think what I'm, what I'm coming to is kind of, um, I think in a way that's just all words. I don't think like calling it spatial computing is that bad of a choice actually that they're like leaning hard on that mm -hmm. word as opposed to using specifically VR, MR, XR, whatever, AR. Mm -hmm. Um I think that there was there was a lot of conversation around kind of like what does MR mean before this was announced? Um, a lot of people um What what is and, MR? I don't think I've ever yeah. heard of that. So, okay, so MR would be mixed reality, right? And ah, I think okay. I think people working on um you know these types of products would use mr kind of as a way of saying well it's kind of um it's uh, even if you have augmented reality use cases they're delivered through kind of video pass through um th into an opaque screen um and then mm -hmm. you do the composing of the kind of video feed and the um kind of the virtual content you do that and you what you deliver is mr technically um it's uh yeah uh as opposed to ar which is more commonly understood and again this is very fuzzy and like not super clearly defined but i think ar people understand more as here is um transparent display technology you have some sort of right. kind of optical combiner that allows you to look at the real wor world with your actual eyes as opposed to through a video feed um, and then you're somehow combining the digital the virtual content on top of that um and now you could of course say like well but what's a google glass type situation right like it's it's a device you're looking through, but it's only notification. So is that really augmented reality? Well, I don't really know. And I think ultimately it's probably it's probably better to just talk about the 
technologies that are delivering an experience as opposed to necessarily whether that is now technically an AR thing or an MR thing or whatever. Um, and I mean, the headset in this case is, you know, I would just call this pass-through video um, into a display that's, you know, as opaque as any other display that we know. Um, and, but by using that technology, you have the ability simulate uh, experiences where you know virtual content is being you know somehow overlaid and whether or not that virtual content is overlaid onto your real world and it is actually fixed uh, in the real world or whether it actually relates very closely to the real world like it's tracking you know along an object or your hands or whatever or whether Casting it's simply and all that. yeah or whether it's something that's totally just like locked to your kind of to your head and appears at the corner of your eyes like a notification like you know like in like in the case of google glass that would be the case right um uh, i think that's where the nuance comes from regardless of whether or not like tim was calling this you know ar or or whatever it's all about the use cases for for someone like me who hasn't really paid too much attention or stopped to think about what these what words actually mean i just been going like vr is you're just looking at a screen, uh, like a virtual reality. I guess if you, <laughs> it fits. Uh, in AR, I've just been meaning like you look at the real world with some extra digital stuff in it, um, right? Yeah, which I is, feel is kind of closer to me to that. Like it's basically it's they're doing a lot of work to kind of keep you in your environment to help you see what's around you and then overlaying extra things on top with the yeah. option of sometimes dipping into this sort of alternate reality but it's uh, again none of us i think have has tried it uh i've talked to people who did try it uh but like my first question is like okay you're looking at the actual the real world through a display stuck to your face can you like forget about that fact or because all the headsets i've tried it's a mix of like most recently the PlayStation, the PSVR two, has like a kind of a pass through mode, but it's only me- really meant for you to like find your controller in the room or something, and it's like a infrared type thing. It's not supposed to look real, um, but the delay, like the lag, is awful, and it's and then even in the actual VR mode, like the resolution of the displays is not high enough for you to kind of forget that you're looking at a display it's very fuzzy it's it's kind of you know you know so i i wonder with this headset like they have to nail that and everyone i talk to seems to say that it's great and it's you know it's not distracting at least but um i don't know i've what, what do y'all think it is you know it's 4k or four per, per eye right the resolution i don't know if that's enough um i don't know what do you think i think um I um maybe the best next thing might be the Quest Pro as part of my work, um, which has you know compared to the Quest Two, which just has black and white kind of terrible garbage pass through. Um, the Quest Pro has better full color pass through, less latency, but by no stretch of the imagination, you know it's like like real vision <laughs> you know um, right. i'm sure that this is way better than that 
Um, and I would say from my experiences from the Quest Pro, not that I had any real reason why I would wear this um, while doing something else. Um, but, you know, of course, for the sake of testing, I did that anyway, you know, like put it on, walk around in my house, see like what tasks, mm -hmm. like where does it break? Um, could I, can I chop uh, a cucumber? You know, like that's a good test. Like, am I willing to handle a knife using this? Um, and, uh, you know, the Quest Pro. No. <laughs> the, <laughs> okay. The Quest Pro definitely, uh, you know, it breaks down that way. Um, you have like brightness and color issues for sure that like kind of keep pulling you out of like the quote unquote experience. Um, but at the same time, I would say that even that is sufficiently good where. Um, you're just willing to wear it and you're not constantly thinking about like, oh, you know, like the weight of the de device is much more of a problem in reminding you that you're wearing a device than the quality of the password that you're, like, you know, you're going to make a compromise um, and your goal is not to perceive the world as it is in its perfect detail. Then you would just not wear a device, I guess, on your head. Um, but when it comes to, wanting to have experiences that this device enables while not feeling completely detached from the world and still being able to see your surroundings. I have no doubt that the Vision Pro does that in a great way where you don't feel like it's a huge compromise. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I actually think that, um, you know, this is another thing that I feel like a lot of people were talking about beforehand. Um, it's to me like this is like very much my professional opinion mr like good mr like good patent i shouldn't say mr like remind myself of what i just said earlier <laughs> good pass through um you know is a good way of of perceiving the world around you is almost a baseline of experience that 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 it's like that's basically the starting point um if you just think about um, what, you know, more typical VR headsets that have existed now so far, um, what they do is, I mean, they take you out of reality the moment you put it on. And the moment you put yeah. it on, you're not even, like, you haven't started an experience yet, right? Like, you might not have even chosen what you want to do. Um, the thing might not even have 100% uh, powered on, Um and um, you're immediately isolating from other people. Um, you know, other people can't see your eyes anymore. You can't see what's going on around you, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Good, your ability to still still um, perceive what's going on. It's almost a. It's like a must. Um, and so, in that way, the fact it's not even. I don't think that it's even a choice whether or not Apple was going to position this more as a VR thing or more as an AR thing or whatever all those things mean exactly. I think Apple understood that the baseline of delivering an acceptable experience is when people put this thing on, we cannot immediately take them out of where they are. Um, and so that's why I think it's so heavily 
featuring, you know, oh, here, this is just you looking at your living room and whatever app you might be um, interacting with. Or eventually you might actually like dive deeper into an immersive experience. But the starting point is always if you put on these goggles, the first thing we want to do is not like make you trip over your coffee table. Right? Like, and that's really the baseline. I right. think that that's also how people are going to start thinking about these devices. Anything that immediately kind of blocks your vision is being considered like, oh, wait, that doesn't feel right anymore. Even if you're just going to launch some immersive gaming experience anyway on your PSVR or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, and I feel like there's an almost like primal sort of thing about not seeing the environment around you and like not knowing what's happening that I think it, if it was 100% immersive 100% of the time that you probably wouldn't want to wear for as long of a of a time period whereas here I mean we'll see how good it is but it seems like by all the reviews that I've read it's pretty amazing that like it really you really feel like you're seeing right through the the glasses as if there there's no screen or anything. So, yeah, I think that that makes it more useful as a as a thing you might wear for a long period of time. Totally. And how did you feel about the the external facing display and the <laughs> I think it's like I wasn't I was never against it actually. Like I know a lot of people thought that it would be goofy, but I always thought it'd be kind of interesting. I was that being said, I was maybe slightly underwhelmed by the screens that <laughs> we want seen. More I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yo, like if you're gonna show a screen with my eyes, like, can you at least make sure that we can see what's down there? Like, you can barely see. It's like the faintest hint of someone's eyes. Because I think if it was sharper and clear, it would also be more apparent that it's fake. It's weird. I think it would be a bit weirder. They kind of have to make it kind of look foggy and dark in there to kind of hide a lot of the low res and imperfections. <laughs> and it is a scan of your face. Like it's not just yeah, yeah. reverse pass through of your eyes, right? It's just like everything's fake about that. Nothing's real. So they kind of have to, I think, hide that a little bit. So, but God damn it. It, it was the most. That's the most like Black Mirror ish <laughs> moment, and especially that thing at the end, like with the kids. Yeah, um, that just feels. Here's the thing: I know it feels odd now because it's the first time we're seeing. It. We're not used to it, so sure. And I can believe I can see a future, not too distant future, where we would be kind of okay with it and used to it. Like, yeah, it's just uh, you know your eyes through the thing, yeah. Uh, so I'm not, I don't doubt that we'll be okay with it. I just worry that, like, do we want to be okay with that? <laughs> you know, like, isn't that weird? I don't know. My my feeling is it's going to happen. Like they have all these other shots where like, oh, like someone's coming over or like someone's, you know, coming into the room or whatever. Like, I think these things right. are going to happen all the time or you're going to be in the living room and you want to say something to someone. But I think like the likelihood that I would reasonably wear a device like this on someone's birthday, <laughs> like after <laughs> blowing out the candles, are absolutely zero. <laughs> like, it would have to become so much more uh, like inconspicuous for me to even consider that. Like I think that's just crazy for them to show. I I have another question I want to ask the room. Uh, 
we before the event past conversations based on rumors and based on whatever thing we keep saying that surely the ultimate goal like whenever technology catches up and allows us to get there the goal is not to have like that the type of display on your face something closer to google glass hopefully providing like the same experience as this but you know something you could wear and you wouldn't notice or care uh but now after seeing this and after seeing that it's really like a fully closed out like you know they have the the light leak and all that in order for them to go to that goal of not having a full vr thing on your face a helmet then there's a lot of things that you are not you can't do anymore right if we go in the future with like google glass thing or like a contact lens or whatever it is right but but you don't need pass through so if you're looking at a real thing it just you know there's no screen showing you that is it you're looking at the real thing then you can do dim the room which i think is super cool by the way you know when when you start playing a video or you can't do you can't control how much light or block out light and so did they put themselves like in a corner now that they actually can't go that route and now the goal is we're always going to have something completely blocking out any light from the outside and like that is the future like a daft punk type thing maybe not the whole helmet but like having a you know like completely blacked out sunglasses or something like is that now the future and not the google glass future what do you think um i think that i wonder whether this is even a continuum um or these are basic products um, it's the pro in the air i um i think so to me, there's absolutely no question that this product right now is what technology is able to do in this form factor. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think like nobody's holding back some sort of you know magical technology, a faster processor that you know runs at you know room temperature, um, you know a, a battery. foldable VR headsets. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, Fold it in your pocket. I don't think that um, I don't think that anybody right like this is what the technology can do right now. Um, maybe there is a you know optionally you could say okay well why don't you just use the compute from a computer and you you plug yourself into a headset and it's only a display that would be a way of making it um, lighter and you know and and giving it maybe even more resolution whatever um, but ultimately. This is the hardware that can be shipped right now from probably any company in the world. Um, and um, the the delta between this and whatever we're talking about when we're imagining, you know, glasses you can wear all day and they can do this and this and this and this. The technology is so unbelievably far away. Um, and um, like literally every single component needs to be not just like improved it needs almost needs to be invented to make that lightweight form factor if you want even a subset of the um of the features or you know of the experiences that you can Hmm. i mean regardless of whether or not that even makes sense right like do you need to open like a random i don't know your keynote thing when you're walking down the street probably Uh, right (laughs) well the thing about this too is like you can easily imagine hey um uh, pr- the chip on it will be will get faster 
no doubt about it and it'll be able to do more and it will require less battery so the battery life will get better the components in it will probably shrink over time and be able to get smaller but i think what the key point that rafa was getting to is like the fact that it needs to have the ability to take over your entire view means it has to block all the light is one thing and then two it is uh creating that like mixed effect by essentially just having you look through a camera and having you just see a screen i think both of those things seem to me like the more like immutable kind of uh, problems given current technology like the other things will get better like it'll be smaller and thinner and lighter in, in all these ways but for it to graduate from what it is which is cover all the light and then give you essentially one screen per eye to over to, okay, now this is a thing you can like totally see through seems very like difficult. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it is crazy difficult. That's why I mean, right. Like maybe um, for the true all day AR experience, you would actually just decide, okay, yeah, we're picking a very different subset of things we want to be able to do where we don't mind that all you can do is basically like add light in an optical combiner, right? Like if you have a transparent display, one thing you can pretty much not do is create black. And because you just can't take away the light unless you invent a new technology to like darken that part of the, you know, the thing that you're looking through or whatever. Um, And so... Well, maybe you say like, well, you know, if if all I want to do is recognize people's faces and then show their personal info so that you don't always have this awkward thing where you forgot somebody's name and we can display somebody's name in just like white text. So that's going to unless you're looking straight at the sun, you're going to see the white text and that's good enough for us. That's like the that's like the 99 percent useful use case. And now people are going to put on these glasses. Um, you could choose to. um right constrain the the product that way but that's why i mean almost that it's it's two different things to me um there's always going to be this more hardcore more fidelity more capable thing but i don't think that will ever then graduate to become the all day transparent ar thing with you know perfect battery and perfect compute and still 17 sensors that look out into the world and can track everything in 3d geometry and i don't know what what did really excite me about seeing this announcement and like what got me the most excited is just seeing how all the interactions work like the gestures the fact that you're able to like move things without having your hands up in the air the way it's like guided through your eyes is just like fascinating to me as like someone who hasn't tried any device that can do this hearing them just talk about this concept just seems like they're describing magic to me um and so i'm really excited about that and that seems like something that could extend to a whole host of like be able to control all kinds of things like hey maybe i should in the future i should be able to control a tv (laughs) this way or i should be able to like there potential i feel like there's a lot of potential for these kinds of interaction models in the future for whole kinds of products so what did you both think about like how you interact with this device and you know all of these these gestures and the combination of like what you're looking at and and what you're doing with your hands uh, I was a little bit, I mean, that, that's, that's a lot to the question, 
first reaction of, uh, on seeing like the UI and some of the demos and st- my first reaction was a bit underwhelming. Like it was very flat for, uh, again, it didn't really take advantage of your the space and scanning your space. It just felt like you can see windows, like 2D windows in 3D space. Felt like that there should be more, right? Um, so I was a bit underwhelmed by that. And then, yeah, the whole like eye tracking with the hand gestures feels um maybe this is just me like I, i'm not seeing it yet like you know i have to try it and really have my mind blown um but it it think i think it it puts it in a type of device of a, a bit more casual interaction device um for example like we've seen what happened when you went from like computers to touch screens like you know from the keyboard and mouse to touch screen and all of a sudden hey interactive uh, objects uh, you know items have to be bigger because you know meaty finger uh tapping so it went from like you know your traffic light buttons on your mac is like 10 points to uh, 40 44 points on ios right and then this it's even bigger it's 60 something points, yeah 60 because um, you know your gaze like your eyes where you're looking at it's less precise than a finger touching a screen and so with that like i felt like okay so it's going to be even more casual in terms of like information density and and how you can like how fast can you interact with stuff um like i just been you know try resizing a windows on your like a window on your mac and like and then stop to think about what it just did like with a mouse you just grab like a two point or like one point the pixel thing on the screen and quickly resize it without thinking about it and if you that type of precision it won't be available won't be possible uh, in this type of thing so this is just a preamble not to take away from it but if uh, it puts it in a more all right this is going to be a bit more casual maybe shorter sessions of interacting with this device than computers or tablets or phones right um and so so it so the, all of a sudden the interaction model doesn't need to be that fancy or complex or powerful I think because we only have like a couple gestures I, I think I've seen although third party developers you can create your own gestures like I want to <laughs> I want to create like a page turner where you have to lick your finger to turn a page or something <laughs> that'll be fun or like you know you'll do like finger guns to trigger a sound effect or something you know thwipped for vision last <laughs> you heard it here. Like so, you can create custom ones, but but the the system gestures and interaction model feels like it's it's quite simple, um, and you know I think it works well, right? We've seen like you can just rest your hands anywhere from from some of the hearing experiences people had trying this. It feels like the first couple minutes they go really like you know hands up in the air and like a very just precise like pinching gestures and then 10 minutes in they're like their hands are just resting on their lap or something and it's like smaller more subtle gestures because you so it feels like it will be intuitive in that way but uh but yeah well what's interesting to me about this and that's maybe like the I don't know if it's a, a downside, like a, a less positive side of this is um, going from, say, the Mac where you have a mouse pointer to the phone 
where like you touch things directly with your fingers, like a easier, more direct manipulation kind of thing. Whereas mm-hmm. going from touch over to this, I doesn't seem easier <laughs> to a lot of people. Like it seems like it's once again separating the where you're targeting something with where you're taking the action. So I don't. I I'll be curious. To, to see obviously this is a pro device for a very specific kind of person at the moment but it i wonder how much like say 10 years down the road normal people take to this in a way that they've taken to multi-touch in a way that just feels natural and you see these like four-year-olds <laughs> just like flying on on these phones like i don't know if this has the same kind of like natural like i just get it like as soon as i see it kind of i um if I would have loved for them to show more of anything, it's the input at the keynote and even including the um, some of the sessions that are available at this point. Um, I think in the keynote, they were very, very much focused on eye tracking plus kind of hands in your lap and pinching and then moving your hand slightly. In some of the sessions you see... I think you see uh, an instance where somebody's typing with their kind of extended index fingers um, on a keyboard, on a virtual keyboard. Um, Which I I have to. That that can't feel good. I've seen that session, and they're like, "Oh yeah, the it casts like this light on the thing you're about to touch, right? (laughs) And like the closer your finger is to the virtual key in this keyboard." You know, the stronger the light gets. So, but you you're like punching the <laughs> punching the air. Like you know, there's no they can't feel good. I don't <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, sorry, Andrew. Yeah, no, keep going. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't astra- uh, underestimate how much um, eye tracking can help with that interaction. Um, but that's never gonna take away. Like even typing on a keyboard, your eyes can help. Right, um, but that's not going to take away from what you're basically. You're still just poking the air, so that's that's difficult. They had uh, they were showing in some of the sessions. They were showing people kind of like grabbing this little. I think it's like a model of a little airplane, like pinching right next to it, and then actually doing a kind of a one-to-one rotation of your hand um, turns into. It's like as if you grabbed the airplane with some moving it around right. using your hand, kind of direct input. Um, so I'm really curious to see how, how much of that, like how they solve that and whether or not that shows up at all in the system UI as well. Um, because yeah, I, I mean, that's certainly, that's certainly going to be people's kind of intuitive reaction to seeing a piece of content in front of them. Like as long, as soon as it's in within kind of grasps reach, um, you, you try to grab it, right? Like. Um, and right. so uh, that comes with so many um, so many difficult problems, right? Like, well, your hand can't really grab it. So your hand closes even though the object is bigger than your hand. And you need to – now you need to do like live occlusion and, and cut out your actual hand and show it in front of the object when it's in front. And it's it's crazy. And that, that breaks immersion so quickly. Yeah, when it's <laughs> like, not perfect. Uh, it, yeah. In you know in VR games and all that, that's when you're you're faced with like oh of, of course this is not real like, you know sometimes you kind of get lost in it and you try to I don't know 
pick up an apple from the floor and all of a sudden like you just your hand goes through it like oh right yeah i think there was some demo i forget where i see this i've seen this somewhere someone like they tried uh, the vision pro and at this point there's like this demo they have where a dinosaur comes out of the thing or whatever like there's a portal type thing and then there's a bird like was this uh mkbhd whatever a butterfly they said that, like there was a bird or butterfly or something that landed on their finger um and when that happened like it was cool because it could track their finger and really land on their finger but all of a sudden they, they didn't feel it and that was like immersion breaking like oh you know the haptics are it seems like it's something that a lot of other VR companies are investing in, like in their controllers and the, the PlayStation headset has haptics in the actual headset. Um, and I think, you know, we talked about Kevin and I on the previous episode, they're like, if this needs to, if this wants to be a viable gaming platform, it needs, um, first party controllers. Yeah. Controllers. And, and, you know, they didn't mention any VR games, uh, here, I don't know if it's because they tweeted beforehand <laughs> and they got booted off the keynote <laughs> or whatever. But like, you know, we didn't see anything because how would you? You kind of need controllers. So I wonder if, you know, in the future, say a couple of years in, the platform matures a little bit, just like we've seen with iPad, and where all of a sudden there was Apple Pencil and there was uh, smart keyboards or whatever. If we're not going to get extra like type of input devices for this. Maybe like some kind of gloves where it has haptics or something, a more precise touch or something. I don't know. Like that, that would be. I think that's kind of needed to to go further in type the type of experiences you can you can get with this. You as a gamer, do you think, <laughs> Rafa? I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can just leave the conversation. That's fine. <laughs> I am also I'll, not I'll, a gamer. Uh, I'll grab a coffee. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I'm not gamers would be offended that you called me a gamer. But, yeah. Okay, you as a medium I'm a, casual gamer, <laughs> I'm um, a dad gamer. Yeah. Um, do you do you need this to be a gaming platform? Do you think Apple needs this to be a gaming platform? Do you even think gaming is um, sufficiently more fun wearing something on your head? Um, where it's it would be the thing that you want to do as opposed to just like turn on your PlayStation or on the Switch. Uh, to to for it to be the thing, like I I don't think I don't want this to be a gaming like console. Um, but gaming is with current technology like probably the best VR experience you can have. Like it's so immersive. There's, you know, transports to the other world. It's interactive. There's like, you know, it's gaming. You're, you feel like you're part of the adventure and whatever. So it's, 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 it's really, really, really cool, uh, for that. This headset has like so, so much better specs in terms of technology that if they wanted, right, it could be already the best gaming VR headset, um, out there. And so, and for the price point, I'm like, why can't this be all the things? Like, the only thing preventing them is probably, like, I won't even say first-party controllers because, you know, you can game on this, and they showed some some examples. But gaming, at least what I've seen, well, I think I've seen, like, one of those, like, iOS gamings, uh, something golf, you know, where it was, like, a set on a, on a table, like a, 
hmm. 3D, whatever. But not VR gaming, right? But we've seen like you can hook up a PlayStation controller and you can play on a like massive TV floating on a lake <laughs> or whatever. But that's not the type of gaming I want. I'm like, all right, we have the hardware. We kind of have the games, even if it's just like two or three, because we've seen that No Man's Sky and Resident Evil are available for the platform. So I assume you can also play the VR mode. Um, but I don't know if they're just afraid of committing to VR as a whole thing. Like, I'm going to block out you know, everything and truly immerse you in this um, virtual world. But you have everything. Let me. Can I pair my PlayStation VR controllers to this? And if so, it's already the best gaming headset, right? I, the best VR gaming experience that I've that I've tried is driving, like a driving simulator. So I got a little like steering wheel and stuff, hook it up. So it's not even like a first party controller. It's just I had to buy an external thing. I'm sitting down, which is great. Uh, you know, less chances for me to break immersion. I can't leave the car, uh, and it's it's really really truly like crazy experience so i want them to to do that like they they're also not you can walk around but they really don't want you to this is a big (laughs) question that i have too (laughs) because i've seen in some of the sessions like some of the windows and content digital content you have in the room can move with you but they also discourage it but depends on the type of content you have but usually it's, it's stuck in place right so what happens if i just walk out to a, in a different room they were like oh man where did i leave my windows oh, fuck my music window is in my bedroom or something like, <laughs> they get pinned to no this is world? so I don't this is so such a big like this is such a big topic like literally hundreds of people will work on this for the next five years <laughs> i think <laughs> um i i mean there's so many questions there um that i think are all super valid like um I mean, one thing is uh, that pass-through at least helps you, as long as you're not fully immersed, at least helps you with all the safety issues, right? Which is another reason why I think pass-through is the absolute, like, baseline, the new standard um, the second you put on this headset. um, Because... You don't you don't actually have to invest in all the technologies and into figuring out like how do I constantly show somebody that they're about to trip over, you know, any piece of their furniture, which don't move around that much, but even something that like your kid might have like put into your into, you know, your path. Um they did not really lean very much into the whole idea of even moving around uh, around very much. Um yeah. so I don't know, maybe that speaks for them not being super confident about like the safety features that they have built in, even though they're alluding to at least like if you're moving a window kind of that intersects with a chair that's in front of you, the chair is going to be slightly peeking through or yeah. something. Again, that's a that's a convenient <laughs> visual way of resolving the question of where does occlusion really happen and how much fidelity can we have with our kind of dynamically created 3D map of your room in order to occlude the content that you're placing correctly, right? Um, Which makes me think, like, I want to see a demo of someone in a tiny apartment in Amsterdam or, like, New York. Yeah, absolutely. Even the example they, they gave of someone on a plane, like... They were not flying coach. If I have someone's <laughs> seat, you know, 
like 10 centimeters away from my face and I'm trying to watch a movie with Reality Pro or Vision Pro. What's it called again? Vision Pro. Vision Pro. Um, is it going to like eliminate that front row like <laughs> immediately? So in, I don't know. I mean, they're also going somewhere that's less than two hours away. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how realistic that example was. It's true. It's that's a, true. But again, right. These are, these are, um, super real questions that really impact like the experiences that you can have and the quality of them. Because the way that they're showing the, um, that example on the airplane, right? Like technically, if you want there to be no, uh, no thing, um, that's called, um, kind of internally, we would always call this depth conflicts, right? It's basically when, you through whether it's virtual object and virtual object that don't really match up in depth um, or whether it's you know you looking at the real world and then seeing a virtual object superimposed on the real world but in a way where the depth correct so you're saying okay so i'm flying regardless really of whether you're flying economy or business or first class <laughs> you don't have that that much space in front of you um, to where they were showing in the keynote most of the windows being. Those were meters away, really, kind of at the other end of the room on the other side of the of your coffee table. Um, and so if you're flying, let's say you're flying uh, economy, right? And the, the backside of the person's, uh, the person in front of you is like, I mean, you can't even reach out with your arm, right? So that right. would imply that whatever movie screen that you are seeing in your Vision Pro, as long as you're also seeing the airplane, you would want that screen to not be further away than the back side of the seat in front of you. Because mm -hmm. otherwise, you would create what's called a depth conflict, and you would immediately realize that that's very uncomfortable because your eyes are trying to converge on, should I converge on the seat or should I converge on... Um, on the uh you know on the screen that's kind of like further away but it's kind of like behind the seat now like yeah, what is happening yeah. right um and um so they're totally just kind of like glossing over that a detail like this but wouldn't it just be closer to your face and therefore be smaller um so isn't that how they're handling it the way that they were showing it in the keynote it seemed like it would also be far away and very big um, which you could, of course, now you could say, well, maybe the reality dial tut crown thing um, would uh, would say like, okay, if you're like dialing the immersion up and you're hiding more of the airplane, then you can, of course, make the screen as far away and as big as you want. And so maybe then it kind of like moves away from you. But these are all the ways in which I thought that the keynote was very fuzzy on the details, like... As you're saying, like, it, you don't even have to go as extreme as the airplane. Like, what if I'm using this in my smaller apartment? Hello? You know, or what, what if I'm using this at my desk behind which there is a wall as opposed to a whole other office with no people, <laughs> coincidentally, that my content could intersect with, right? Um, and so that's where it becomes more real for me, like, all of the solutions for these detailed problems where I'm really curious to see how they're thinking about this. But I still feel like the windows would just be closer. 
like they'd be closer. And what they've been talking about is how they maintain the effective size of the window. So the further you push the window out, the bigger it gets. And the closer you bring it to yourself, the smaller it gets, which means that effectively, like you can push it back in space and will always be yep. the same size. And so it would still look the same size, just be closer to you, is right. I guess. Here. But um, you don't really get a feeling of like, oh, wow, this is a cool big movie theater when the screen has to be yeah, right no. like 30 <laughs> centimeters from your face. Uh, but also your environment changes, right? So what happens when, you know, somebody suddenly sits down in front of you or, you know, your colleague who you're kind of like back to back with on, in, on the desk, like you know, moves a thing over or something, you wouldn't want to dynamically move the the windows because that's uncomfortable. So do they force you to rearrange something? And, um, you know, how graceful does that all happen? We are sponsored once again by Guide Guide. Guide Guide is a plugin for Sketch, Photoshop, Illustrator, and InDesign that helps you quickly and easily create guides and grids with more power and flexibility than your favorite app's built-in tools. Most people think of grids as a one-and-done step at the beginning of your file, but Guide Guide is useful all throughout your work because you can use it within the context of your current selection. You can do things like mark margins around objects, find midpoints of things, or do full grid layouts in smaller zones of your file. The app even has a custom language called Grid Notation that allows you to write complex grids that no other grid tool can handle. Trust me, you need this tool in your arsenal. Grids are super important in your design process, and this app really makes things much easier. One of my favorite little details is that their website gives you a fully interactive demo of the product so you can see for yourself if you would like it, you can play with it, you can try the full functionality right there on their marketing website. With the promo code LAYOUTFM, you will get a 20% off of their Polymath tier. So if you click the link, we'll have a link in the show notes. If you click that link, the link will automatically apply the discount code. But in case you don't see it, code is LAYOUTFM. And you can go there, get 20% off, check it out, test it, and apply it in your design process you will see you won't regret it. So our thanks to Guide Guide for sponsoring this week's episode of Layout. And we should also talk about the content size, which is also a thing, like, they've because they've talked a lot about how, like, oh, isn't this great? Like, you have infinite space for everything, but then every window they show is, like, the, your, almost your entire field of view, like, this, like, giant window. Yeah. And so I'm like, if I compare this to my desktop display i have like what four or five windows visible within just my field of view and that's like i don't even have anything on the sides yeah whereas here it seemed like everything's really large and possibly that's because of the eye tracking thing that they need a lot of space i guess or maybe like you were saying before maybe the the screen resolution could be another another reason why that's the case but probably or like uh, you can have overlapping windows, it seems like. So, yeah, you can have, yeah. again, all of your room, like maybe 360, you can arrange windows 
different sizes or whatever, but they're all it's like a horizontal stack. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Panoramic stack. Definitely uh, seemed like so, there would be more um more it's more stage managery where there's yeah. particular uh types of layouts you can have as opposed to but I yeah, but but then again it's like yeah, to your point, Kevin, compared to my smaller considerably smaller screen real estate from my monitor i can have so many more windows <laughs> like so much more information density um again i think this is, is there a command command tab gesture <laughs> look <laughs> inwards <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. the meditation uh, thing <laughs> yeah and maybe to kind of like uh, to clarify like some of the resolution questions there and like the content size questions, um, if they're, I think um, they're, what did they say? Like more than 4K per eye. Um, if you just assume something right. like, you know, and then they were saying 23 million pixels, right? So if you'd say, okay, it's like 4,000 by 3,000, that would be 12 million per eye. So combined, that's like, okay, 24, whatever. So let's just say it's 4,000 by 3,000, right? That's more than 4K per eye. Um, and because what is 4k, um, something like 3,800 by 2,100 or something. Yeah, I think so. Um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so if we say 4,000, right, like if we're just talking horizontal, um, pixels, that's like 4,000 plus 4,000. So you could say like, oh, across your entire field of view, you have 8,000 pixels, which is not totally r- true because the same way that your eyes um, like both of your eyes in the center of your field of view, they see the same thing, right? Yeah, they overlap. And so in, in Vision Pro, you would also want some amount of the content to be rendered on for both eyes as opposed to mm-hmm. only exclusively left and side of your field of view. So let's just say whatever. Um, let's say instead of 8,000 pixels, that leaves you with 6,000 because you're overlapping too. Um, and... Um, now you have to stretch you have basically that's like that's the resolution that you have for the entire field of view that you're trying to simulate and if that's let's say 120 um degrees which is considerably less than what you have in your actual field of view right like human vision mm-hmm. is like basically 180 mm-hmm. roughly so. um so if you have 120 and if you divide up all the pixels um across these 120 degrees you get to come to, and now I don't really know my math. What is that? Uh, it's 50. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's easy. <laughs> no, 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 50. That's actually easy, easy math. Um, so, um, so if you have uh, 50 pixels per degree, that's not terrible in terms of resolution, right? Like, so in, in spatial computing, to n- not say VR or MR or AR, but what you need is pixels per degree, right? You want mm. a specific amount of resolution of on any degree that you're looking at, because if you bring text really close to you, of course, it's going to be really big. So you have a lot of resolution to display that text. If you put that further mm-hmm. away and it uses up less degrees of your field of view, you're going to have less resolution with a, within for that text rendering. Um, and so um, I think uh, 40 is probably the bottom of what you want if you're trying to reasonably mm-hmm. render text. Mm-hmm. And now the big question, of course, is, how much uh, does Apple think reasonably rendered text is these days? 
Um, and that kind of gives you uh, an idea of like, well, how many pixels is Apple going to want to render high quality UIs? Um, and then meaning how big do they have to make these UIs in order to hit that uh, kind of resolution? Um, in uh, I sent you this earlier, but in one of the sessions, they're showing uh, kind of one of their windows taking 60 degrees of your field of view. Um, and um, if you look at a, if you take a 32 inch monitor, um, that's roughly, that roughly takes 60 degrees um, in when you're looking at it just at normal desk distance. Um, but uh, on your 6K display, 32 inches, you know, you have 100 pixels per degree instead of 50. Right, so that tells you like what the decreased, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, so much better. <laughs> so that kind of tells you that uh, Vision Pro is still going to be, you know, either it shows all content at twice the size of, you know, the way that you see it on your Pro Display XDR, um, right. or Just to be honest, it feels like that's what they're doing. Like from yeah, these, absolutely. From these, like, things are chunky. Yeah, like that, yeah, that's yeah. big. Like that, that messages window, like, you know, the, the each bubble, it feels like, you know, it's bigger than my hands. Like, yeah. I don't know. No, totally. I have such a hard yeah. time explaining like sizes and dimensions. Like, I started, I just opened, you know, started a sketch document, try to replicate some of that UI. And this was before some of the sessions came out. So I didn't even know the, the 60 point thing. Yeah. So I'm like, how big is this? Right? Like, where do I start? Uh, how big is supposed to be this, this pill? And I just kind of compare the pagination dots with the iOS pagination yeah. dots. <laughs> Not that far off, but it's still like, but this is probably going to feel bigger in Vision OS. Like, it's, you know, things are chunky. I absolutely um, I think so. And where all of this math, I mean, you know, whatever, that's boring, but where it really comes down to experience, it's, it does tell you that, okay, so what they're showing in these sessions is that, um, and even in a keynote, that you have a main window in front of you that takes a good piece of, like, that's basically the size of a 32-inch monitor, right? And then to your left, you always you already almost have to, like, move your head to see whatever is yeah. to the left or to the right of you. And that's just a huge messaging window and then another huge, whatever, notes app or something. That's not really, right? That's not going to replace your pro workflow and that's where it comes you know where it becomes interesting for for the experience question like who is this targeting (sighs) it's not replacing somebody who needs like you know who wants to have quick access to five uh you know five windows within their central field of view because they just can't hit that resolution wise yet um which, Not really for gamers, yeah. at least based on what they, they've shown either. And, okay, but that's why I had a hard time because we were texting before yesterday about that. Uh, you were trying to you're trying to make me understand, and you were like, "Well, yeah, take your 32 inch display, and like, yeah, so take that, and that's like one window. That's one website window. Yeah, yeah. But looking at this, I'm looking at the website now. Uh, the, that 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 one demo with the with the guy in the office, right? And he has three windows. There's a Safari window in the middle, and there's notes on the right, and is a keynote or something like whatever. That the, that notes window on the right, it looks like it's 
one and a half meters. It's 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 like it's like a toddler standing in there, because um, <laughs> it goes all the way up almost to the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. And you know, so that's not my thirty-two inch display at this distance. And even if it was, like, if it's I were even to bigger, take, yeah, it's. If I were to take um, a messages window on my Mac right now, make it full screen, so 32 inches wide, uh, of course, the resolution, the density, it's like everything's tiny, and just like zoom in, right, or whatever. Just make that chunky. And like that's kind of what that's going to feel like. It's not like having a, in terms of like information density, it's not like having a 32-inch, you know, Pro Display XDR and say an iPad to the side, it's like that scaled like three times. That at the distance that they're they're using it. Again, if I were to use it here at my desk, I just put on the headset and I want I want extra windows around me. Um, there's not a lot of depth, right? They can't get that far. They kind of have to be around in my desk, kind of. Um, and for that, I guess they'll be tiny, but or more comparable to the density that I am looking at on this display right now. Yeah, I, I feel like it'll sense? be sort of like, imagine you take an 11-inch iPad Pro and you hold it at less than like arm's distance, like half of an arm's distance basically in front yeah. of your face. Like that's essentially how big ev- every window is going to be. Which is kind of like, that's the problem here for me. Like Because this looks really compelling and I'm like, if I... Or this device seems compelling at first because you're like, hey, I'm sitting at my desk all day, every day. Like, that would be the best time for me to be strapped to a thing because the rest of the time I'm doing things with other people. We're watching TV together with my partner. Like, like, almost all of the other moments are, like, not perfect moments. I will certainly not sit on the couch and just browse through photos. (laughs) With this thing strapped to my face. Um, so while I'm working, would be great. And I would love to get more screen space. But every app has to be jumbo-sized. And actually, in order to have just the same amount of windows that I have, I'd have to pan on both sides constantly. Yep. That just seems like a no-go. And so everyone who's like, oh, excited for this as like a productivity device, I'm like, I hope you love using your iPad because you're not getting something that's much more better than than what you can get on an iPad. I wonder how much you could uh, decrease content size in by uh, sacrificing like just the absolute perfection of the text rendering. Um, we all used to do our work on like old school cinema displays, you know, with like non retina screens. I know you're like already cringing. I can't go back to this. (laughs) I know. I'm just saying like if somebody wants to buy this device and then like optimize for, you know, amount that they can see at the same time as opposed to rendering quality, maybe that's possible. And maybe there's still like a good middle middle room somehow. But but yeah, the way that they showed it um, to kind of contextualize the things that they were showing on the keynote, that was definitely more to what you're describing. It's like, okay, here are three really big iPads really close to me and I get three apps on them as opposed to, holy shit, you know, like my entire field of view is like covered in amazing retina displays and um, yeah. and I can do, you know, standard size and- windows on 
And the thing that I hope here is that the limiting factor is the resolution of those screens, because I think that's something that can improve fairly easily over time. But if the limitation is the like eye tracking, I think then we're in for like a world of trouble, because I don't know that you can that that is something that will like significantly improve because like think about how when you're looking at things like how can you tell if i'm looking at the middle traffic light or the like red traffic light on the side like i don't think you oh it knows does it that that i think yeah to that level of precision probably not at that resolution but if i feel like i can't even get myself to to be like look exactly (laughs) at this at this circle right now and you know you can use this as a way to uh, like get a bigger display from your Mac, right? So if you look at your Mac, you can all of a sudden get the big display up in in space. But again, they say up to 4K display. Mm. So a 4K display, and like as big as they showed it in the in the demo, that the resolution, you know, like a button is the size of your fist, right? Like it's <laughs> it's big scaled up thing. Show title. Like right now I have, <laughs> like right now I have you know 6k in a smaller thing um and of course for for you to use the mac like in that mode you still have to use the keyboard and thing so you can't just pinch your way on mac os um but this is kind of like to sum it all up i think we touched on a lot of things that ultimately i'm excited new platform i we can talk about price and availability in a bit because that's another whole story but like it's yeah the fact that it once we get past the novelty and the wow factor of like the whole just having digital content, you know, not to call it AR, but you know the what was it again, Mateus? What was the spatial computing? The, <laughs> yeah, spa- right. Once you kind of get over, not get over it, but you you know it doesn't wow you anymore, and you, you kind of get used to it. Then what it, what are the advantages of having like win- this big two D windows in front of you, two or three of them or four maybe? And maybe you have one in the back. <laughs> like trash is in the back. You just take something <laughs> like th- throw it, you know, behind your, your shoulder to the trash. But like, what's the advantage? Because you can't see more things than say a big display, and you can't you can't possibly be more productive in like typing, selecting things, scrolling. Right? Can you imagine really like? creating a whole keynote like slide deck thing or like in in vision os like that that sounds painful it's it's kind of like the ipad right like i wouldn't want to do that in the ipad either um i mean you know all of a sudden it's like what would it be easy to just take out your phone and do something real quick like i just wonder what's the long-term usefulness like value that this will change how you do certain things because all the things they showed us today you kind of already can do. It's just now you can do it in AR or whatever. Um, so that that's like I want. That's what I was disappointed. Like, show me something that it's not rendered in a two D window. And there were some some things, but like mostly entertainment based or something. Like that is, I think, what's going to be the killer feature, if you will. Like it's something that other devices can't do, and not just you know do it bigger. Well, take um, keynote presenter mode um, as yes. a small example, right? So you you have whether or not you edit your keynote 
in a headset, which I have like so many questions around like how do you yeah. how do you even manipulate elements on a keynote slide using eye and hand tracking? Like that's that's I don't know. I mean, I am absolutely willing to believe that it can work amazingly well. Um if anything, on this device. Um, but I haven't seen much to suggest that you would have that sort of, um, you know, resolution on those uh, input devices. Um, but then, you know, going in and saying, all right, I want to practice presenting this now. And I know that my venue is going to be something where I have a screen behind me or I'm standing next to a screen or whatever. And now the thing kind of like, simulates a presenter environment it doesn't necessarily have to be what they were showing which is you know oh you're in steve jobs theater i mean yeah <laughs> you know good luck being that awesome um but even you would you could imagine that they would have different presenter mode layouts um you know that yeah. that type of experience you can't get anywhere else and i wonder you know i wonder how much value some people could get out of maybe even just these moments um, or maybe people who are very much more fundamentally working with content that's harder to deal with, or that, that would be very good to see stereoscopically at real scale. I don't know. I'm just going to pick on the car designer example, right? Like, oh, here's this, the full size 3d model that you can now actually get a good feeling for. Um, I would love to work in 3d with that thing. Like yeah. that would be amazing I think. <laughs> like just doing modeling and like all kinds of things like just being able to see things in space would be incredible yeah. but how are you going to cram like all of blender's ui <laughs> in these like 60 point controls <laughs> i don't you know i don't really know um but i don't think they're too far off though rafa like what you were saying you know oh it's kind of like an ipad well the reality is like a bunch of people do use iPads for these things. The problem is they're not really power users, but like I think it's not a bad starting point. Like it's it's no it's no worse than an iPad. Let's just like start there. I hope it gets oh, it better. More and I think you. if you're aiming at productivity, folks, I think you want it graduate to like a smaller density or, or greater density of of controls um so i don't think it's like super far far off it's just like today's product is maybe not the power user product that it wants to be it's sort of a it's a product positioned towards power users with entry level consumer software is kind of my feeling right now yeah i think i think we're gonna you know the keynote example is maybe the best example of something that makes me go like, oh, that's A, super cool, B, impossible to do anywhere else. I'm like, all right, now you're giving me more. You're allowing me to do more and experience more. Um, but that wasn't even in the keynote, right? Like yeah. it's, it's such a small little detail of, you know, go keynote team. You're the you're the best, you know, goats. Uh, but but like that, 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 I want more of that. And maybe it is this long period that we have now until the, these devices start chipping for third-party developers maybe to do that um you know because a lot of these experiences feel like oh you that's vr right like that's 
let me let me try to pitch you this device in another way. I would just say it would really solve your fireplace slash TV problem. <laughs> If you have a, a fireplace in your living room, you don't need to buy a TV. You just have that, have the screen right over top of the fireplace. Yeah, but see, even then, I know you're kind of joking, but like this is extremely isolating, lonely device. Like, yeah. You can't watch TV with other people. You can't really talk to other people. You can, but you wouldn't. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I think if, if like, you know, if... We always use our moms as an example, which maybe is not the best example. But someone who doesn't care about technology at all, and they hear about this Apple headset thing, and they ask me, cool, what what, what does it do? And you're trying not to just tell them what to do, but like, try to sell this device. How do you pitch this? Like, Well, you can put it on, and you can see like apps in your living room, big apps, and you can interact with them. Like, Okay, but so far, I, I think no one would pay... Three thousand, you know, the uh, dollars for this. Like, I think the most cool features are probably that that like live photo would be such a better name for it now, but <laughs> whatever they call it, that that like three D ish memory type photo thing, uh, which looks so cool. Um, and you know, once you can capture those with iPhone fifteen or something, then like okay, that would be a really cool way to to experience those. Like that's one of the few things that. I think can sell this device are those experiences that you couldn't before. And I think there's a lot of potential for true productivity gains with this. Um, like, yes, imagine if the whole, your whole peripheral vision is your screen real estate, if you will, you can have content there. Uh, but that's not the reality today. Again, maybe it's just technology and we need more resolution, but like maybe I can see that one day, like having it, really be you know to mateo's other concepts like yeah keep my keyboard keep my mouse like if you will just but that alone would already be such a big gain but we're not there yet so that's why i was a little bit like underwhelmed by what you what you can do um but again it's so so early maybe by the time it ships you know it looks very different and it's funny that we got to sort of a place where I truly cannot wait to try this device, but I have no clue what I would use this for on a daily basis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I am, point. Yeah, I definitely also came back um, from the keynote. I wish they had. Um, I wish they had biased a particular. Th- maybe this is. I don't know. Maybe this is a tired uh, comparison. The Apple Watch when it first launched, and it was a little bit like. It felt a little bit like it was unclear what it was supposed to be specifically good for. And as we can tell, mm. Apple is good at sticking with things in this case. And it'll crystallize more and more what people and developers, etc., are gravitating towards. I just feel like it almost it could have been a a more compelling story, maybe if they had been stronger and like, you know, yeah. if you, if I take your example, Rafa of like, Oh, what if this person comes and asks me like, you know, you know, what should I, why should I buy this? Why would that be good for me? Like if they asked me the same thing, uh, you know, somebody like who is not especially technology interested, if they asked me the same thing about a 16 inch MacBook pro, I would just say like, forget it it's not for you and it 
that's okay, right? Like I can point you in this case, in the case of a MacBook, I could point them at something else, but like not every product has to be for everybody. Um, and, and so in this here too, like, I don't think it would have been fundamentally a disaster if they had said like, you know what, this is more for professional use 3d as part of their workflow. Um, and it elevates those moments a lot. And so here, you know, go try it. And, and if you buy it, you'll, you can play games on it as well and watch a movie because why wouldn't you? Right. Um, so to me, that was the, the biggest kind of takeaway. Like I wish they had told me more of what I should want this for. It's a stark contrast to, I was thinking of the original iPhone announcement in the demo and what got people like excited and mind blown and it was scrolling and cover flow yeah right like that that thing was people just saw you know when steve jobs was like demoing oh let me go through ipod pick a song go to maps find starbucks place a call you know that little demo i did and i was just that is the coolest thing i've ever seen and to be fair i think if it was us talking in a podcast back then 2007 we're like yeah but what can you do more <laughs> like well not a lot you can do all these things i guess today no but it's just you're this just was doing a phone it. like like this could do a thing that we all had this device already <laughs> like a, a device to do this job already and replace that yeah but but like Whereas to your point like i don't know what i would really do with this them. and that's like that's even if the answer was Nothing, but it would just just be so cool to like be in the menus or like <laughs> look at Safari. Uh, and I don't think it will be. I mean, it'll be fun the first time, but then it's not. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, should we talk about like price and availability Wait, and all that real quick? We haven't even talked about FaceTime and <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's yeah, all these things. <laughs> uh, I mean, I was I, underwhelmed by the FaceTime thing, actually. Because not that I'm like a user of any of these, but like I'd seen Meta's sort of thing where like, oh, you're all like a 3D person in a meeting room and like all of these. Um, And Apple's version is essentially like a uh, postage stamp (laughs) with like a AI deep fake of your face. And I was like, well, technically somewhat impressive. I'm like, that doesn't seem to me like it, it much better than a regular call. Like, again, you're going to place, like, a 2D window, essentially, in space for this. I I don't know. Like, what what did you think about the FaceTime experience? I, um, yeah, similar, similar thoughts. Um, I've heard people be very excited about it. And I was kind of wondering whether they um, are considering also what this means on the kind of on the other side of the experience, right? Like, like, literally, like, the other people just see, I mean, sure, they see your avatar and however good this avatar is, that's going to be their experience. But they're not, right? Like they're not actually seeing you move in your 3D space, right? They're not seeing, you know, just because you, like in the keynote, they made it appear as though like, oh, here you have your keynote window open. Yeah, you're, you're ref- like you're referring to that, and maybe that's like the idea of like screen sharing or something. But again, like it's not like people see you standing next to the thing and pointing at something. <laughs> They're just still just seeing a square of your uh, crazy like Uncanny Valley avatar. Plus, they see maybe your keynote window, 
but like the whole context and you know I'm not really sure what the what the benefit for you as the Vision Pro user is to say like, okay, well, now I'm seeing my window here really big and I can stand next to it. And then on the other side of the room, there's the floating heads. But I don't know. I mean, like I never thought that FaceTime was like that um, cool of a use case for this. Um, but the way that they showed it, the way that they implemented it is is even kind of less so what I had imagined. I was definitely thinking, well, it would at least be somewhat spatial, but really yeah. it's just, well, you know, it's flat windows with the same content that you faces, uh, videos of faces. Um, and so, yeah, not, not sure where yeah. the, the, the big benefit. I was like, you know, first time we see FaceTime, you just see the, the floaty video feeds of whoever they're talking to. And I'm like, okay, but right. Cause if they're on their phones, what else could you do? Like that, fair enough. But how do they see you? And then you see like that creepy uh, static—not really static, but it doesn't. Anyway, avatar. And I'm like, all right, fine, that's not great. But but what about two people, both of them, and like Vision Pro or whatever, right? Now, that's yeah, that's the, the one that we thought like, that is going to be awesome. <laughs> and it's nothing. It's just like a little like Casper ghost thing, floaty creepy um avatar like as far as i know i don't know if you can even do like hand gestures or something if it reacts that was in a session too right Um, where somebody said oh here's a little sneak peek you can you can see this kind of i think they call them personas when you scan your face yeah so you can have the floating persona next to you of somebody who is also in a vision pro headset and you don't see the square around it but as you're saying like can they move around in your space? Can you even see their hands? I don't know. No, uh, no, <laughs> they can't. Uh, that that was that was the big letdown. Like, let's can they do something about like yeah, project someone else? Like if some like someone is in the same room with you, right? Maybe they can like sit in the couch with you or something. Um, and I understand that you wouldn't have like a full body scan avatar thing, right? Like, there's no cameras looking at your back or something. And also, it's not really feasible, I think, with current technology for for them to. Like, can I be transported into, you know, Mateo's living room or something? Like, can I see that? It may be like like a screen sharing, but like a eye sharing. You know, like I can be transported to your POV, so you could walk around and I could see what that looks like or something. That would be super cool. Um, but we haven't seen any of that. And maybe it's just because it's early. This does feel uh, early. Like, not only are they shipping it, you know, next year, whenever that will be, but uh, also it's it's impressive that we have a full SDK. Well, not yet, but we're going to have a full SDK, you know, all the tools to, to build for this full, like, you know, we haven't, no one has seen it yet, but like, I assume simulators and, like it's impressive that they did all of this, um, but it still feels not rushed. But like, yeah, it's so early. Like some of these things aren't really thought out. It's impressive, think, but like, it's also slightly odd that a lot of the work that they want people to do is just like do a different UI treatment on an iPad app for a lot of these things. Because like that. that's also what they've came up with, right? Yeah, yeah. But that's that's it. So it's like, oh yeah, like instead of using an opaque background, like now use a splurred background. <laughs> that's mostly what they're asking people to do. 
like here's when I thought about like you know what apps could I build for this? Can I port any of my apps to this? Like, well, hand mirror, no, because there's no real camera. <laughs> but maybe I could show you your persona. But like the type of UI that I would like to do is, hey, can I just place a little hand mirror like around you, like in the coffee table in front of you or something, so that you could go in and like open the hand mirror and look at the hand mirror? You know what I mean? Or like if I want to port my sound uh, soundboard app thing, like can I place like big red buttons in the table? Then you, if you press the button, it would play a sound. Like that's the type of different type of UIs that I, w- I want to do. And maybe I can. Actually, this might be possible because you can create volumes yeah. uh, in your app. So this might be possible, but we haven't seen any of this from Apple. So this is my, it's not that I'm... Like, does Apple want me to pursue these ideas? Or like, no, stick to iPad Windows. That's 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 safer. I don't know. So, Speaking again, of disappointments, uh, the UI, in me, uh, UI designer in me was pretty disappointed with the home screen, like with the app icons and everything, with no depth in any of the icons. I mean, there are like flat planes hovering on top of each other, but like... Mm. I was I was expecting there to be a lot more depth, a lot more three D ness to these icons, and turns out they're like essentially flat sheets of paper with like three three layers, which is a bit of a letdown. Well, the two D icon designer in me is very relieved. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't know how to. But like, I mean, Mac apps have more depth <laughs> than these icons. Like, why? Why do they have to be so flat? I don't. Yeah, it felt like the Apple TV treatment for posters, remember? Like you used to, you can provide yeah, yeah, yeah. layers and they'll do the depth parallax thing. Um, yeah, but but the, the like the photos icon, you know, the little, mm-hmm. they look like f- frosted glass, see-through, transparent little petals, right, if you will. I don't know if this was just a pre-rendered thing or if it's actually like on-device thing, but... It was transparent, and it was doing some kind of transform on the background, so it was reacting, and it was casting the shadow like in the color of the the actual item. It was very computationally impressive what we were doing with that icon. Um, again, I don't know if that's actual on device or just for like a that. That was cool. Yeah, I, I was. Um, I was surprised that. It seems like all the UI has a bit of that kind of highlight edge. Yeah. It's like the edge of a glass pane that catches the light. Like everything seems to have that detail. Um, I was really wondering whether that was going to be based on your environment's um, primary light source, which you could kind of detect. Uh, I really try to see like, does it, does it change with the environment? It didn't, didn't seem so i wonder whether that's still the intention eventually that it's like as like really as reactive to your surroundings as possible the same way that it does bring in the color from behind i yeah, think that would be it really is awesome. the the little shimmers like you know light reflection from the edges that does seem to adapt mm. to to your Do surrounding they? i've seen in one of the sessions that well just because in most of the screenshots that i grabbed uh, the light was top left and bottom right. Yep. Right? And I've seen in certain, certain demos just pause and the light is like in some other places. So ah, I assume it kind of reacts. 
I, I've seen that in uh, maybe it was State of the Union or whatever some session. They say that um, maybe it's just for three D assets, but you can either pick the actual lighting conditions and light sources from the mm -hmm. room or provide your own. Yeah. So I don't know if maybe if you use standard controls like Swifty Y can do that very basic light cast. Yeah, that would be really cool if it did. It looks cool. Well, how do you feel about the whole like everything that is not content is you know in front of this translucent vibrancy effects frosted thing, right? Um, kind of like uh, Arc, right? Like it has all of the not, all of the UI and controls are in this transparent thing background, and I feel like they're doing a lot of that here. I mean, yeah, I mean, it. for what it's worth, they came up with it first, or like, I mean, it's been. An uh ongoing idea like all the way back to to like the was a vista and stuff like that but but they've also been doing that in in mac OS for a long time um i think it makes sense i mean it, it is in keeping with their idea of keeping the sense of space for you and is very i think the down the downside of it is i don't think it's very innovative for something like this like if you ask like a concept designer to be like design me an ar interface <laughs> that's pretty much the first place you would probably go but uh but i thought it was well done and like made sense for the type of device that it is i'm into it too like i mean too i'm i'm definitely into it uh i uh i think it does make like logically it makes total sense right that it would be if anything this is the perfect place for apple to use their frost because it actually functionally helps you understand how this still kind of relates to your real to the real world or at least it lets through some of these elements it's going to feel i mean i'm i haven't tried the device right but i mm -hmm. i feel like i'm going to be I'm convinced that it's awesome the way that this digital content composes over the pass-through video. It's going to really feel like of one piece, uh, much more so than like, you know, if they had gone for anything that's more opaque, it would have been so jarring to have like these like dark um, panels in the case, uh, you know, in the case of the the Quest OS, their background color is always, um, it's kind of like this darkish gray uh, it feels on top of a nicer pass-through it just feels jarring to have mm -hmm. you know that much of your field of view blocked out this feels so much more subtle um yeah i mean if anything i trust in apple's ability to make that feel really crisp yeah uh, anything else before we start wrapping this before up? we talk about price <laughs> the most exciting thing <laughs> it's not the most so here's my the price is like, yeah, very expensive, but that's what this device is now. Um, you know, I think it was, was it Wall Street Journal or Good Morning America, whatever, some kind of news publication they had, they tried the device and they used, they brought up this comparison, like the first cell phone cost uh, $4,000 back in the day, which converts to like $11,000 today. <laughs> Just as a comparison, like, yeah, these first devices or whatever, they're very expensive. They're not, you know, whatever. So it is expensive. Uh, so I don't expect this product to be super popular. Um, the thing I'm more concerned about is the, like, only in the U.S. 
availability. What does that mean? Like, yeah, but really, like, but can I get one? <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know what that means because I've, as someone who does not live in the U.S., I have a lot of experience with trying to have access to certain content that Apple doesn't want you to get. Like it's region locked. Say Apple News was really easy. You just went on your iPhone and set the region to United States. Boom, you have Apple, Apple News. Um, Apple Fitness Plus, uh, your Apple ID needs to be set in the US if you want it. Um, like, so it's not just a thing of like, can I buy the phone the phone, the the headset. Say, actually, the first iPhone. I think it was like not just the US, but like a couple of countries, a handful of countries sold it. Um, and you could buy one. You could go to the US, buy your original iPhone, bring it back home, whatever that is. But then you couldn't activate it because it couldn't connect to any cell carriers or whatever. I think you had to so jailbreak like, your I, SIM card or something? The whole phone, yeah, you could jailbreak it after a while. Yeah, I did that. But like, meaning, I'm just asking, can I get one and use it here or is that going to be like hacky or not? And so do you think this whole, this model is only going to be US only until we see Vision Pro 2? No, no, I think, I think it will be fine. And I think you should probably be able to buy it and use it. My guess is one, they're not expecting to sell very many anyways. So I think they're doing like a slow launch of this manufacturing has to be the other thing i think which is the probably the big issue is like prescriptions and lenses and all that and then uh, making sure that it's available in some stores in the right ways like i I think like all that just will probably need a little bit longer to shake out that reminds me the apple watch the first one i had to go to one store in london to get it also Mm. they didn't sell it but, yeah, but I don't see why the device would not work because it doesn't have to connect to any sort of special network or anything like that. Obviously, I mean, I'm sure we'll find out like when they come out. Like, there's gonna be articles about this, but it's. I'm actually not to your point, Mateos. Like, this is feels like this device is what technology allows us to do today. To your point, and I think. Similarly, like this is probably the price point that we're allowed to have to get this, you know, plus Apple tax. <laughs> um, so I'm not mad at the price in the sense that I don't feel ripped off or something. Like, yes, it's expensive, but also, yes, it's like such a impressive piece of computing and engineering and all. Um, will y'all will y'all try to get one? I mean, I... 1000% need to try one of these things <laughs> and want to play with it. Um, I'll stick with my statement that we had last episode, which is um, when it becomes available in Canada, I will probably want to buy one and I will probably use it for like a week and then return it. <laughs> so and you'll be the one that creates the refurbished program for yeah. these uh, you're, you're welcome. Uh, it was Kevin. <laughs> Because um, I don't you know, I'm like thing. fascinated by it. I want to try it, but I don't. I, as it is currently, and again, that may change because it'll be released next year. But um, as it stands currently, I don't know what I would use it for in my day to day life. I think um, I would want to buy one um, and uh, make stuff for it. 
I think that could be interesting. Yeah. Actually, you to develop for um, almost like, yeah, what if I can make a thing that I think would be good for uh, to exist on there? Um, because it might make it uh, maybe not so much for, I don't know, I guess then I have it and then I can watch Avatar <laughs> on it or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, love it. But um, th- those are just the nice to haves. Um, but primarily, I wouldn't see myself. Like, I I love nothing more than opening my little MacBook Air that I've had for whatever ten years, and not the same one. <laughs> but, <laughs> I was gonna say we need like, to get you all the Apple. Yeah. <laughs> just like opening that thing and browsing the web on it on from your sofa is still the chillest thing you can do. I don't see why I would need to wear a headset for that or whatever. Um, and so um, I don't see myself necessarily like buying into the use cases that they have kind of pushed in the keynote, but I can totally see how other things will emerge yeah. and end up capturing uh, your imagination. Similar to you, Mateus. I just, the, the main motivation uh, to get one for me is I want to develop for it. I want to write apps for it and like use it to see if it sparks creativity ideas or what else can we can we use this for that's mainly it but then yeah i'm also the curiosity of like i want to experience it i want to see what that's like but i based on my previous experience with with these type of headsets again not really the, the same but i i can't ignore the there's such a high barrier of how do I call this? It's a hassle to to get started, like to like put engagement. it on. Yeah, put it on, connect the cables, and like turn it on the thing. Maybe calibrate your eyes or whatever. And by the way, this does that software automatically. <laughs> yeah, but like get the controllers, and then you have to move, and like it's it's it provides a different experience, but like. It also asks a lot from you. That's what I said last episode, I think. And so if the experience of using this is not like amazing and consistently amazing or like or not just amazing, but consistently valuable and good, that it can break through that like hassle of you know, get started. Um and this seems to be one of the most convenient headsets ever, still. Um so but 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 it's it's still a thing that worries me. Uh, like you buy one, spend a lot of money on, you you put it on, you are amazed, and it's the best experience, you know, computer experience you've ever had. Um, and then you try a FaceTime call, and you try creating a slide deck in Keynote, <laughs> and pretending you're Steve Jobs in Steve Jobs Theater, um, and watch the dinosaur and the butterfly land on your finger, and then fast forward a month, and then are you still like using it? Um, do you still want to like put it on, be a bit isolated from the world a little bit, um, and look at the big iPad apps or will it like, I'll just grab my iPad. Like it's easier. It's faster. Um, I'll just pull up my phone to watch my, to look at my photos. Like I don't want to put the whole thing, sit on my couch to browse through photos. Like it, it asks a lot from you. So can I actually that's make my main concern? One, yeah. uh, final point that um please kind of like ties into what you were just saying um i think a big overall question that 
kind of everybody who's ex- interested in this space or who's wondering about this should try to like answer for themselves, which is, um, and I thought this was, you could see that in the keynote where they had these different scenarios of using, of people using the device. It always starts with them already wearing the device, right? It's like, the lady, she's what is she doing? Folding clothes or packing her suitcase or unpacking it in a hotel or something. Mm-hmm. And she's wearing the device. And then we're seeing, oh, and look, now a FaceTime call, and now that's really awesome inside of the device. But my major question is really why was she wearing it in the first place? Mm, right? Like right. <laughs> She wasn't, she wasn't, maybe she was, sure, maybe she was expecting to get on the FaceTime call and because of good video pass through, at least she could put it on. And then because the call was five minutes late, she wasn't isolated for five minutes from her environment. But the guy at the office as well, like he's walking and he's already wearing it. Like, what was he doing back there that he needed (laughs) to wear the, the, uh, the, you know, the device for? And, you were just uh, describing, right? I don't want to put this thing on to look at my photos, which, see, I don't think that anyone would disagree with that statement. Like, it seems very overkill, you know, like to to do all that just to look at your photos. But if you're wearing it already, then casually browsing your photos, because why not, is, uh, that's totally plausible, so my main question is really, and the thing that I think everybody could, can think about on their own, like in terms of, well, what would these devices be good for, is what was I doing before I started browsing photos? Why was I already wearing the device? I don't think that Apple really showed us in this presentation. Um, I don't think that Meta has shown us, um, you know, even when they're saying, oh, you should be doing your meetings in here and blah, blah, blah. Uh, here, it's going to have better pass-through, etc. Like, they're not really talking about why you should be wearing this thing in the first place, other than the very particular thing that you buy, uh, bought it for. Um, and I'm just, I'm just still waiting, even having worked in this sector for many, many years now. I'm still like, okay, what is the thing that I put it on for and when are we going to get to that place where it's clear, like, yeah, you know what? Most of the day, I'll be wearing this, whether it's for work or whether it's for something else. That's a That's great really question good. to end on, I think. Yeah, <laughs> Probably that something that we'll all be wondering about for the next few months. Yeah. The actors from the from the video are also like, when <laughs> can't fall asleep at night. And like, but why was I wearing that when folding my clothes? <laughs> okay. Um, all right, let's wrap this up. It's, it's a long one. It's not our now now usual 30 minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah. In the future, in the future we will make these shorter. <laughs> <laughs> this is like every episode. Every single time, yeah. <laughs> I think we had like two around 30, 40 minutes. You mean the we one that I wasn't on? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> all right, should we do recommendations? Actually, totally forgot. So I don't have uh, anything I also prepared. have no recommendations. <laughs> I'll start with mine. Yes, please. Boom. Um, I think there is no product in my life that does its job better than my tennis racket-shaped mosquito zapper. Ooh. It is the perfect 
tool for the job that it needed to do. It is literally perfect in all the ways. It's $5. <laughs> it's like... Is, is it the electric one? Yeah. The battery-powered yeah, electrical zapper thingy that you can use. There is no slapping the mosquito on the wall, no trying to like scoop it away from the ceiling or something. You get it midair. It smells a bit burnt, which is kind of <laughs> kind of disgusting, but um, it's amazing. And with the summer coming, I can't recommend it enough. Have you heard of wow. this thing called the bug assault? No. <laughs> Sounds great. So I'll, I'll send you a link to this. Put uh, it in the show notes. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. So this is actually a gun. <laughs> is it the salt thing? I'll put it here. And I have not used it myself, but I've heard people praise this thing. Like, it's incredible, apparently. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, Something to check out if you're if you're dealing with a lot of bugs and, and flies. It may not be God. the most like humane device in the world, although the uh, the electric zapper might not be either. But uh, <laughs> yeah, certainly, no, definitely not done. <laughs> Love that. Last time I was on, I uh, talked about a butter container. This time I'm talking. Yes, <laughs> five dollar mosquito zapper. <laughs> nice. I think I may have recommended this before, but um, we've seen in the keynote, they've introduced this sort of like, is it standby mode that it's called when you turn your phone to the side with MagSafe? I would really highly recommend the Belkin three-in-one charger where Mm. like you can have your phone to the side and also charge your watch. It's really great as a nightstand, even more now than ever before because because of that. There's a couple of things that I've been enjoying lately. This Apple Watch, the leather loop, band uh, yeah that's a my great friend combo ryan, my friend ryan had i think someone gave him but one but it was the wrong size because he has the tiny apple watch anyway just have this laying around and never use it like hey do you want it <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and it's super comfortable and it's a good look um so i've been enjoying that i've been watching silo on apple tv plus oh um, how is that it's good i've been enjoying it a lot would you strap a headset to your face to watch it see i watch it with my partner so i wouldn't it's not that good Uh, but Um, she could look into your simulated eyes on the outside of the headset while you watch it maybe that's enough yeah can you imagine it's like it's like you're going through like four representations of the video it's like it's like when people, you know, record the screen in the theater and then someone else is like a screen recording or like you take a screenshot of a picture. It's like that. It just keep yeah. compressing and compressing. Um, and since I have Mateos here, I feel um, inspired by like interior design thing, of course, as you do. Uh, I want to recommend a brand, which is like, I think more than half of my furniture is from this brand. Mm. Um it just hits a sweet spot for me. Um, so it's my new default. Uh, it's called Bolia. Has anyone of you, you know? I have this? not heard of Bolia. Bolia.com. Um, it's a Scandinavian design firm thing. Uh, but they, they're, they're really good. It's like, you know, it's, a, it's not, you know, Ikea level affordable, 
Uh, you like turn it up a couple notches, but it's also not like high end furniture prices. <laughs> so some pieces are still affordable, but I think the design and it, it's a good compromise. It's a good, it's a good middle, uh, middle range. And we have a lot of their pieces. I'm frantically so, browsing uh, right now. Yeah. Nice. Intensely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they have, that's the good stuff. Um, most recently I bought, uh, a little bench thing to have in the entrance. Um, it's a bench like you, we use it. It's like, it has three functions. We use it as just a decorative piece. We put like books and stuff on top, uh, but also doubles as a place for you to sit when you're taking off your shoes and stuff in the entrance. And also double triples as a, uh, we have a small round table. And so when you have guests, the table is extendable, right? And so when we do that, we can use that stool as like extra seating, not stool, bench. So anyway, and it's super clean, pretty simple. Um, yeah, there you go. Nice. That's a great recommendation. Cool. All right. We did it. Mateus, thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for, for dropping by. Yeah, it was and, great uh, to have you on and uh, sharing your wisdom. Please add us to the test flight when you build your revolutionary oh, yeah. app for Division <laughs> Pro. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's talk again in three years when I, <laughs> when I get it. Hey, I think if we when we all get our headset, the three of us should do a, like virtual podcasts is that a thing can we do that like a podcast in 3d we're all sitting around we can all set up our persona and then like there must be some way to spatially get together and then please i mean if not that then i don't know what is there like a screen screen recorder or like a a audio recorder is there a quick time for visual oh yeah that's a good question can we attach, can we hook up a, th- a third-party external microphone? Definitely uh, the I number mean, one can, thing I was wondering about. <laughs> you can record on the Mac, that's fine, but can you actually screen record what you're seeing while you're using the Vision Pro? Hmm, yeah, know. that's key in every VR headset. There's a way for you to project on the TV or something for other people to see what you're seeing. Can you do that? Can you airplay what you're seeing? You gotta. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, find the show notes and stuff on our website, layout.fm. Uh, you can follow us on the webs on Mastodon mostly. I'm Rafa. Kevin is at Kevin. Mateus is... At are you Mateus. You are a Mastodon. Yeah, come on. At Mateus. Of course. Same instance? Dude, uh, are we also no, on Mastodon? Not same instance. No. no oh, I'm like oh, Mastodon.cool. Dot, dot something. Yeah. You're not a real designer. <laughs> okay, links in the show notes for all that. Um, and uh, yeah... Our thanks to our sponsor once again, Guide Guide, for coming back in 3D this time and sponsoring <laughs> our show in 3D. Uh, and yeah, we'll talk to you all um, in another dimension <laughs> world. I don't know. <laughs> I don't like this part. That was good. That was good. In another reality. Come on. Keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> it's right there. <laughs>before we go we'll put this as a little extra i just can't hang up the call without asking you all this um which is the always always the highlight of every wwdc what do you think of the new mac os wallpaper <laughs> oh 
it's we're on a bad year for the wallpaper, unfortunately. I <laughs> agree. <laughs> I can't have all that green. It's like immediately in... when we went through like the fields of Windows XP, I was like, nah, this is not going anywhere good. And yeah. <laughs> This I'm gonna say it. For the I'm gonna say it again. Changing wallpapers is a young people's game. <laughs> that's not. <laughs> that's not for me. That's not oh for gosh. an old man like me. Don't tell me you have a what like a solid do you have? wallpaper. I on on one of my six virtual desktops, <laughs> I have a solid gray, and I'm not really <laughs> sure why it's gray there and not anywhere else. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So boring. My God. Rafa, um, I have been trying to install Hand Mirror. Um, and every time I every time I do, I apparently forget that um I can't because I'm not on a reasonably recent macOS version. So there oh you God. have uh, how much I am into the newest wallpaper of the newest macOS. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, uh, I do have an old version for you if you want, but like you know, just update your OS. Come on, I, I, th- I support like three versions. <laughs> Two? Oh my god, you're three <laughs> major versions back. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I forget what's the minimum. Now. Use a I Windows know I it up. Windows PC for Unity, dude. Like you don't even know in which world I live. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, yeah, isn't it like Snow Leopard the latest? Like. <laughs> <something> <laughs> <like that." laughs> We're still on the cats, right? Wait, your um, <laughs> your iPhone wallpaper still has like the water droplets on it, right? <laughs> oh, that was one of the best ones. Dude. I, I always support that wallpaper. <laughs> that was the last of the pre. That was iOS six, right? Or five? Maybe oh, that was five. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Th- this is. It, I think it's going to be a skip for me. It's. I can't with the greens. Yeah. And that that jump from that green to the pink is too much, man. It's not. Yeah. It's. I do think though we are on a good uh, on a good year for the wallpaper on iOS though. Agreed. Love nice. it. I'm gonna. I was actually. I'm like halfway through. I'm in the process of trying to upscale, like machine learning. <laughs> you know, extend this wallpaper so that I can get the iOS 17 one on my Mac. Ooh, but that's a good idea. The, um, Hook me up the, when you have it. The Photoshop thing. <laughs> Take the take the iPhone wallpaper and then do like the whatever what is it called, machine learn content fill or something, and then just see what it yeah. would do if you mm-hmm. blow it up to six K. It turns out there's like a small little Tim Cook on the side, <laughs> Vision <laughs> Pro. Who knew? But uh, yeah, 